Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. It's good to be with you, Father, and welcome back to all of our listeners. Uh, we are recording right now, Father, just a day after the famous CMSWR has opened up. Ah, um, for those who have no idea what that that's right. abbreviation means, could that's be right. a baseball league, could be a bowling something, <laughs> I don't know, bird yeah, watching it is the celebration. the Council of Major Superiors of Women Religious. Um, there's actually two councils that um, form a kind of a, not necessarily a juridic, um, you know, federation of religious sisters. There's actually two uh, groups of women um, that have aligned themselves just for ongoing support, ongoing formation, uh, you know, to help in the, the overall flourishing of religious life. Um, both of those have traditionally met in St. Louis at different times. And one of them is meeting right now. And we have a number of seminarians who've been helping out with their liturgies. Um, and it's just always encouraging to see these women who have given their lives in service to Christ as a bride of his, entering into a spiritual and mystical union with him, and also uh, wanting to be of such great service to the church. It's a real honor just, I think, for our seminarians to be able to assist them uh, and know more about the beauty of their vocation. So for any of our, our women religious sisters that might be tuning in and listening to us, uh, thanks for your witness. Thanks for your ongoing service in the church. We certainly couldn't do it without you. And uh, your your witness as a bride of Christ gives such a powerful testimony uh, to the world that, that men just simply cannot offer. Their, their feminine gifts, their feminine genius, uh, the way they, they live out the faith in a very beautiful way, uh, it's just very enriching for all of us. So mm-hmm. thank you, sisters. That celebration of the, you know, the masses, especially in the Liturgy of the Hours, holy hours and such, the seminarians, as you said, are invited to serve those. And mm-hmm. my first year at Kenrick, it was this time, and the school year was kind of getting going, and I was busy with stuff, and I saw the sign-up sheet come up for that, and it was like, serve mass at the old cathedral downtown. Okay, what is this for? And one of my friends grabbed me, Father Taylor, in fact, and he said, you always sign up for this. And I like looked at him like, what are you talking about? He said, it's one of the most beautiful masses you're ever going to go to. And I said, okay. It was wonderful. These these beautiful nuns, all in various you know shapes and styles and colors of of habits, but then especially the singing, um, the Nashville Dominicans and and another of a, a number a number of other communities, but especially um, those Dominicans who sing so well together so often in, in choir. Um, they're up in the up in the choir loft. We're in the old cathedral, right under the arch. They fly in kind of like a rock star lineup of prelates of the church of the nuncio and of different cardinals throughout. And so then you're just serving for this beautiful mass. So. I always made that a priority to check that out every year. Yeah, so it's going on right now. Um, there's actually no bishops visiting this year. Mm. Um, those of us, you know, priests here on, on faculty, we've been helping out with the liturgies. Um, I think the consistory is coming up, you know, in Rome, in which Arch, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, our own papal nuncio, is becoming a cardinal. Um, and a number of other things are going on right now as, as the church gets ready for the synod. Um, but it is, it's beautiful and it's, it's nice. So they got the, they got the, what you're you're saying is they got the B team this year. They got the B team this year. That's exactly what they got. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, let's pray for the sisters. Father Shane, what a kind of 
fun, obscure theological topic do you have for us today? Fun, obscure theological topic. So one of the things I've been thinking about, Father, is there are those who maybe struggle with the idea of the existence of God. They might struggle with the idea of any organized religion. And uh, for some people, they might struggle with how could there actually be a good God in a world with so much crime, sickness, and violence? Others might wonder, how could I ever be healed with my own personal trauma? I think there are others who struggle with the idea of God um, because they sense that God would somehow treat me like a robot if he actually is all-powerful, if he's omnipotent. Well, then somehow he would he would govern me, and he would treat me like a robot. And are we just pawns in this God who sits up on the mountaintop of, you know, Mount Olympus and just somehow, you know, toys with us here on earth. I I think that can be a common misunderstanding that we actually should not be free people if God created us, if he brought us into existence, and if he's all powerful, well, then he kind of is pulling, he's pulling the strings. Um, And he's the one who's manipulating us. He's the one who's forcing us into things. He's the one who must just favor others and maybe not favor me because of all the misfortunes in my life. And, and I'm really just not free because there's this big, bad, looming God who somehow dominates all existence, all of reality, all of creation. Mm. Uh, so I'd like to just lean into that, if you're okay with that. That sounds great. And that's interesting right away that you point out that there's many different reasons why people struggle to have a belief in God. I think for those of you who are listening who have real doubts, real struggles uh, with belief, we, we understand those, right? Those those mm-hmm. same like kind of doubts or struggles ebb and flow through our lives too. It's not like, we, you know what I mean? I mean? We do have like a firm, credible reason for the hope we hold in Christ that has been revealed to us, but it makes sense why you feel these ways. Like mm-hmm. it makes sense why these things affect you like they do. Um, it's interesting though that you point out that this kind of determinism that that might be called, that God's just like a puppet master controlling the scenes. It happens... Um, both sides, it seems, of this coin of, of belief, where it seems some people would um, hesitate to believe in God because it seems like he would be this controlling puppet master in their life. But then others, I've, I've noticed, they'll look at their lives and say, okay, well, if there is a God, then he clearly ought to be kind of determining the way that the world unfolds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't overcome these difficult things in my life. And if there was a God, he would obviously help me. Because if there is a God and he's not, if he does control everything and, you know, it kind of shifts to the problem of evil, but it's like, why isn't he, it's almost like a personal experience of the problem of evil. Like, so if he controls everything, which I don't really want him to, but if he does, why, why is he not controlling me in a better way than he is? You know, mm-hmm. why isn't he leading me through a better experience of life? So then it's a, either rejection of that controlling God, or it's kind of saying, well, he's not controlling me well enough. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's not there. Yeah, and so let's lean into that. Um, as, as you just pointed out, there's lots of reasons why someone might not believe in God. But maybe for our focus today in this conversation, we can just lean into the focal point of freedom. Um, do I really feel free, or am I completely determined by this God who just treats us like puppets you know, in which we're dangling from strings? Or, as you say, uh, should he actually step in more and do more governing if he really is all-powerful? Because some days it seems like he might just be out for lunch and, mm-hmm. and really not governing the world as he ought to be, mm-hmm. according to a standard of goodness. Um, 
And, and I think the answer to this is, are we really free? Are we really just predetermined by him? Is, are we just dangling as puppets on a string and under his omnipotent control? I think the, the, the true reality, the answer to all this goes far deeper than that. Um, those, those kind of intuitions or those fears are actually perhaps too simplistic mm. um, because he really is governing the world with his providential plans, often taking the long view, playing long ball with his ultimate plans of, of, of our eternal destiny. But at the same time, in being a Lord who is governing all things through his providence, he's actually giving us full freedom, full freedom, full, uh, you know, free intellect, free will to do as we wish. Um, and that's almost incomprehensible to see how is, the, how is the good Lord governing all things and bringing things to his desired conclusion while at the same time not forcing our hand and saying, you still have free will. Um, it, it, runs, it runs so deep that it almost looks like it's a paradox. Mm-hmm. It almost seems impossible and too good to be true that we could be totally free, and yet he is still governing the world with his gentle hand of grace. Um, but when you hold that position, as we do as faithful Catholics, what happens Will you actually get a playground in which you can express wonderful creativity and wonderful freedom, and God provides that for you in a way that he's not a threat, uh, he's not somehow impeding uh, your creativity and your freedom and your lifestyle. He's actually creating the boundaries by which you can be most free, and when you follow him and when you're in relationship with him, you're not running off into deep, dark, scary corners where you can get mm. isolated or, or fall into things that would actually hurt you in the long run. But instead, you're actually just free to play as he has always created you to be and to enjoy life in a state of joy. Um, that, that can seem like a massive paradox to people who don't have a belief in God. Yes. <laughs> I have an anecdote from this past well, a couple days ago on Monday, uh, that okay, I think illustrates happened? this very well because it's literally a playground of preschoolers. Went to visit Father Taylor in his new parish in Columbus, Nebraska, and the rectory of his parish was a former kind of Franciscan friary from the 40s. So it's just this long building, and behind it is the school, but in between the rectory and the school was the kind of former backyard. Well, over time, as you know, when preschools when preschools are established, they kind of gobble up any free space that there is to try to use for preschoolers who need a lot of time to run around. So the backyard, more or less, of his rectory, in between the rectory and the school, it's kind of this closed-in, almost courtyard, is the preschool playground, right? So we, we did a lot of things in Columbus that day, but when we were back at the house, and especially when we were praying a holy hour in the chapel in the house, all the preschoolers were, you know, more or less at recess all day long, but in this kind of enclosed space, right? And so it was fascinating at different moments to look out the window when we were cooking and stuff to see how preschoolers were interacting with one another and how what they were doing. And it's just funny to watch how, how boys play, how girls play, how they interact together, how quickly they drop a toy and go play with something else, the relational interactions. However, right as we sat down for a holy hour, the kids were probably at snack time. They came back into the playground courtyard and at some point, we couldn't tell what this boy was doing. It sounded like he was just running laps. He was just shouting, Alleluia, um, as if kind of singing, Alleluia. Uh, not a lot of uh, pitch going on, but there was just kind of shouting, Alleluia. 
And I'm not kidding. Melody there. <laughs> it was for about like 10 to 15 minutes. He'd take a break and breathe and then just keep going, keep going, keep going. And it was good. It was, it was delightful. And, and father and I kind of smiled at each other. The more I was praying about it though, I was ended up preaching on Tuesday to the healing students about this freedom that I saw this, this little one express, but exactly what you're saying, father Shane is that if those parameters of that kind of backyard courtyard uh, playground area weren't in, you know, enforced, if those, if that place wasn't made available, then he wouldn't have had the freedom to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scary stuff out there. There's a lot of streets. There's a lot of things. I mean, he was just kept, if we kept running a preschool, just running, he would have found himself alone and afraid pretty quickly. and would have had that freedom to just keep shouting Alleluia while he's running laps around the inside of this playground. No, that's a really helpful image. Because as you say, if there were no offenses around the playground, he would run off into heavy traffic, get isolated and get pretty scared and, you know, where's my classroom? Where's my teacher? Where's my family? Um, but by the fact that there is a parameter, he actually has a boundary by which he can just be at play. And for anyone who really struggles with the idea of God and thinks that he's a manipulative God or he's just controlling us, as we've said earlier, as puppets on a string, keep this image in mind. God actually wants you to be so free that you can just play. And you can play in a way that's actually mimicking his creativity. Um, What does he do as creator? He brings the universe into existence. And what do those preschoolers do on the playground? They fantasize about different worlds that they are creating. Like over here, this slide, that's a mountain over there. And over here, if we jump on these rocks, well, they're actually like stones in between a big lava. Always lava. Absolutely lava. Always lava. And over here... You know, this is a castle over here, you know, and so in, in their own imagination, they are kind of bringing into existence new worlds in their own minds. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's actually where all of our greatest creativity is shown forth. When we get to mimic and imitate the creator, the chef who goes into a, a kitchen to create a new recipe, a, a landscaping artist who wants to kind of create a new beauty of a garden scene. Uh, maybe creating fountains, uh, planting trees, combining bushes and flowers in a way that creates harmony and, and, and beauty. All of these things that we get to create, whether you work in construction, engineering, you're an architect, uh, maybe you're an interior designer, all of these things speak of humanity at play, mm. mimicking the playfulness of the creator who just enjoys making planets and stars and human beings to be in communion with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really are not just puppets on a string. Uh, we are the, we are called to be at play. Um, not, not in terms of being you know frivolous with our time and our gifts and our talents, but in a way that actually is glorifying God in which he takes delight in our playfulness, in our creativity, as much as you were taking delight in those preschoolers running around with just complete freedom, being at joy, being at peace, not being self uh, kind of insecure about things or self-conscious about things, but just delighting in the playfulness of the moment. That's actually how God views us. Mm. Father Shane, as you're sharing that, which is which has been helpful to think about with this kind of fear of determinism that God is just controlling everything. I'm thinking ahead when we're recording this, the 25th Sunday of Ordinary Time is coming up and we have the the reading of the of the laborer who calls people to be co-laborers with him to collaborate right in his vineyard 
and the whole point of it, right, it's, it's actually in the Orthodox Church, it's read every Easter morning, but that he pays them all the same wage, depending on what, not depending on what time of the day they started, but even those who'd only worked for a couple hours, they all received the same daily wage, right? But the, we were talking about this at our, at our priest formation day, that got brought up of how can you preach the Eucharist into this, and what was very clear was that it's about the, he, he doesn't invite us to just like do something for him or to earn our salvation. He invites us to be like co-laborers with him, to collaborate with him. And this is what's so beautiful is that he doesn't just like pre-program us or like have us as puppets on a string and make us do things. And maybe we'll try to tug at the strings once in a while, but then it's like, no, no, be a good, be a good puppet. Just do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're like predetermined to do. No, that's what's so beautiful about our humanity is that that act of play that you share that you kind of highlight with we see with young people at these different jobs. That's part of being collaborators, co-creators with God. Mm -hmm. He gives us that ability to actually like rejoice in this freedom. And we're not just um, Mm pre-programmed to do right to do, but the more we live in such a way that corresponds to our humanity, how we find ourselves, the more free we become, the more free we become, the more we can actually not only imitate God, but then the next step is to be, collaborators with him co-laborers in the vineyard he doesn't invite us to just come do the right thing be little good boys and girls and play over there in the playground no he (laughs) he actually invites us into play with him he invites us to follow him to walk with him to work with him yeah and those who can be actual true co-laborers are those who are light of heart right to go out and and to experience the freedom of of delighting in the gifts and talents that the lord has given us and just to light to delight in freedom of being in union with him, that actually gives us a lightness of heart such that being a co-collaborator isn't heavy. It isn't burdensome. Uh, It's actually someone who can be quite lighthearted and live with a a bounce in their step and a joyfulness about them because they know they are at play. They can truly be themselves and be free because they are one with him. Uh, I'd just like to kind of wrap up this idea of being at play by just one quote of Father Hugo Rahner. Um, not a really well-known theologian, early to mid-20th century theologian, the dean and the president of the University of Innsbruck. Um, his younger brother, Father Karl Rahner, uh, was a famous theologian in Rome. But Father Hugo Rahner has a wonderful uh, saying, and it's this, the child in man desires to play. And the final answer to that longing, the answer of truth to all our searchings, is the word of him who being himself the word became a little child. Unless you become little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says in Matthew 18. This is why the streets of the heavenly city will be full of playing children and the ancient of days, God himself, whose face is forever young, Mm. will never cease to say to men, go and play. Mm. It's a beautiful image of what heaven will be like. Not necessarily that we're all running around in our, in, in our glorified form as little two-year-olds, as toddlers, um, but all of us will get to enjoy the glories of heaven with a creative God who just says, go and play and delight in the creative energy, the creative life that I have existed in and I share with you. That's actually the true life of God in, in its fullest existence. Yeah, and we can see that we have the desire for that when it's like, what do we want to do? We want to like cut loose on the weekends, right? We're like living for the weekend. But the real freedom becomes in like that you're not just a slave to this kind of grind of the work week, whether you work in more of a blue collar job, white collar job, whatever it might be. But like 
you're not just a slave to this. So then you, your play can actually be this like over the top, you know, like you, as we, we often see at wedding receptions and stuff. It's like I grind so hard during the week that I just need to get like smashed at a wedding reception or something like that. That's not actually, neither of those are play. Neither of those are actually emphasizing this in the midst of the work, in the midst of family time, in the midst of my day, realizing that God has invited me into that freedom all the time. Right. And then, so those moments can become more and more moments of freedom, moments of play like that. Yeah. That's right. Well, good thoughts. Thanks for your insights, Father. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Let's continue just to remember that God, our Creator, our loving Lord, has invited us to a life of play. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.